Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. I told him in, after first service, because he nailed it then too, I said the real miracle is, is that he hit that high vo a note in the first service. <laughs> I love that song, Here Comes a Miracle. When Jesus comes to church, you should be expecting some miracles. Three promises to live by we're going to talk about this morning. Three promises to live by. I joked with the first service. That was the service that Sister Dorothy Clark faithfully attended for years. And when I would preach a sermon that I had preached before, she would always remind me, you've preached that sermon before. I've got it right here in my Bible. You're right, Dorothy. And I would give her the S.M. Lockridge line. If it wasn't worth preaching twice, it wasn't worth preaching once. You know, she wasn't getting on to me. She just wanted to, me to know that she knew that I had preached it before. And uh, uh, we had Sister Hilda Gamble with us again two weeks in a row. Uh, her son is still here. When her son from Seattle is here, he brings her here to her home church. She was just thrilled to be with us again uh, in our first service. I wanted you, and I told her, she was shocked when I told her that we told the second service that you were here. Oh, really? Yes. We, we're still one church, folks. We're still one church. Amen. We don't get to see everybody, but that's okay. Uh, God forbid if, if something happened that would require all of us to show up, we wouldn't say this is only a first service situation. <laughs> no, it's a Bethel situation. And so we're just thrilled that you're here today. Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Kevin Pulse last night as he was leaving the reception said, Brother Ben, you want me to call you in the morning to help you get up? And I said, no, Kevin, what I really want you to do is get a message ready. You should have seen the blood drain out of his face. <laughs> so this morning as I was walking through, uh, he said, well, you got up. And I said, you got your message ready? And it did, he did it again. Like, oh, Lord, he was serious. No. And he, so he told me after Sunday school, he said, Brother Ben, you, I knew you had one, so I just tore mine up and threw it away. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure you did. All right, let's stand for Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Three promises to live by. Three promises to live by. I will establish my covenant with you, God says to Noah. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word in Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. We live in perilous times. You never know what's going to show up on the news feed day to day. You never know what's going to blow apart. You never know what opportunities are going to come in 2023. 2019 and 2020 taught us that. You don't know. Positive or negative. You don't know. I believe the time of Christ's return is approaching. I do. But here's what I always continually tell myself. My dad believed that too. He's been in heaven since 2007. My grandfather, my, I'm sorry, my great-grandfather, Chris Barham, on my mom's side that was a circuit rider preacher, he had four quarter-time churches. So he would go to one church on the first week, one church on the second week, one church on the third week, one church on the fourth week, and boy, if he had five weeks in a month, I don't know what he did, but anyway, he, he would just start over on the first week, and he preached that Jesus was coming, his 
return was imminent in his lifetime. And Chris has been in heaven for 60-plus years type thing, a long time. Here's the reality. We don't know. We don't know. He is coming back, and he needs to find us busy. <laughs> Not busy work, but busy doing his work. And so in these discouraging times, I want you to know that these are three promises. We don't want to limit it to that, but we want to start with these three to live by. And the first promise is, I will never destroy the earth again in the way I destroyed it with water and the flood. He will never do that again. I shared this with the first service crowd. Please hear me. I'm not getting after anyone. If you are concerned about climate change and things of that nature, I would love to sit down with you. I joked about the fact that I have a half gallon of cold brew over at the MC, and we'll sit down over a cup of coffee, or if caffeine through this cold, I'll get it for you, and we'll just talk. But this is the Christian worldview, and it happens to be my view. God created this planet. It's not going to blow up until he's done with it. That is my Christian view. Now, watch this. Should we be stewards of this planet? Absolutely. Should we be careful how we treat this planet? Absolutely. Can we do a better job than we're doing now? Absolutely. And so there's areas there to grow, and there's areas to find common ground, but I refuse to get in a panic, and I refuse to believe that there is a deadline other than what God has set. I do not believe you and I have enough power to destroy God's planet. I believe God is the only one that has that kind of planet. So this is a promise that encourages me, especially in this day and time that everybody else is telling me I need to run around like my hair is on fire and save this planet. I, I, I don't agree to that. I don't agree with that. But I don't have to agree with it un, you know, disagreeably. I can disagree with it in love. And that's where I'm at. I believe that God is in control. I believe he will not destroy this planet again the way he did. I believe that when he is done with this planet, he will destroy it the way he says he will, which is by fire. That's right. But everything will be settled on this planet when that happens. The tribulation will have happened Folks will be either in heaven or eternal place of punishment. That's what the word of God says. I believe it. And it's important for us to be encouraged by that promise. Point number two. I'm sorry. I'm not finished with point number one yet. The encouragement that we should have out of this is that there will be a continuous people until he is done with this planet. There will always be people inhabiting this earth until God is done with this planet. There will be continuous labor. <laughs> On Labor Day and, la yeah, weekend, we need to know that we need to be laboring. Church, it, there's too much going on. There's too much at stake for us to just idly go by in this life. We need to put our shoulder to the plow to what our responsibility is. We have a spiritual labor that we are to be doing, and we have a physical labor that we are to be doing. And watch this. 
Only in our eyes is one more important than the other. In God's eyes, whatever he physically built you for is important to him. Your work matters. Your work matters no matter what people think about your work. I used this illustration. We have some folks within our fellowship that they go to some pretty highfalutin places to work whether it's taking care of people on a health matter or doing uh, legislative type stuff, whatever the case may be, in the world's eyes, it's really high-level stuff. But watch this. If the folks that come on a Tuesday on Labor Day uh, weekend week and deliver and pick up, better yet, our trash, if they quit doing that, all of a sudden our world is going to understand those are pretty important people. Because I don't know if you know this, but we're some trashy folks. And that trash would build up in a hurry. And we would be begging these people to come do their jobs. We would offer them more money, most likely, so on and so forth. And so I'm not advocating for a strike. I'm just telling you that it would become very apparent very quickly. Their work matters. And I believe it's important for you to know and believe that what you're doing, it matters. It matters. Don't set someone up on a pedestal and think, well, if I just had their job, I'd be important. No. Your job is extremely important to the people that you work for and the such. And watch this. Whether it is to them or not, it's important to God. If you are working a job that he has called you to, and watch this, every one of you should feel that way. Every one of you that you go to a job, you should feel this is God's calling for my life. If you don't have that feeling, maybe we should talk. But the bottom line is, is that you need to know that God cares deeply about your labor and then see, under this point, I will never destroy the earth again. There will always be continuous opportunities. There are people at our workplace that need to know Jesus. There are people in our neighborhood that need to know Jesus. There are people within a 5 to 15-minute driving distance to this church that do not know Jesus, and it is our responsibility to take him to them. Point number two, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This comes from, actually comes from two places. It starts in Matthew 28, 18 and following, but we're going to pick it up at Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Paul says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. That would be a great lesson to grab a hold of here in Labor Day weekend. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We need to have the confidence that when we know what we've been called to do, nobody's going to mess us up with that. God, who will never leave us, nor forsake us, will see us through. And he will see this situation through. Uh, Brad joked at the reception last night, and we as a family have joked with Benjamin for the last six months since they've been engaged to him, to Emma. Bro, don't mess this up. Dude, you got something on the line here that you're never going to want to let go of. Don't mess it up. Now, you know, if Benjamin is the insecure type, he's going to start, well, they must think I'm chopped liver. No, no, it's not that. It's not that. God has put you two together. See it through. Church, listen to me. 
Your situation in God's eyes is not chopped liver. You are a child of his. He thinks as high as God can of you, and he wants to see your kingdom work through. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm on your team. Better yet, he is the team, and you're on his team. It's so important. So what does this mean? If he'll never leave us or forsake us, this means continued presence. Anywhere, anytime, any situation, God is with you. It's taken me a while to really get my mind around that. Anywhere, anytime, any situation. That also means, guys, that in your hobbies, the hobbies that God has said, I want you to be involved in this, he's there. He's on that tree stand with you if you have permission to be there. He's helping you butcher those turkeys if he's given you permission to raise them and the such. And you need to throw into those things and realize this isn't a me situation. This is me and God. We're doing this together. Continued presence. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Continued power. Oh, this is the one that encourages me. I can't speak for you, but this old fella is ornery if I'm not careful. And God's continued power over me gives me confidence that I have the ability to do the right thing. Dr. Hook says, it's always the right time to do the right thing. Always. And God has continued presence over you. But not just that. He has continued presence over others. Brother Ben, my life would be great if he fill in the blank. My life would be great if she fill in the blank. Church, set yourself free from that. You don't have control over he or she. You have control over you. Your life would be great if you would just get happy in the pants that you're in right now. Or the skirt, whatever the case may be. My dad taught me that. You can get happy in the same pants you got mad in. It never blessed me when he said that. But he was right. He was absolutely right. And it's important for us to understand that God does have control over others. Sometimes, many times, the best prayer that you can pray is, Lord, help me to deal with that in a way that honors you. And Lord, if it be your will, convict them in this area. Lord, if I'm right and they're wrong, help them to see that. Help them to understand that. That's, a, that's an okay prayer, if you will. That's a scriptural prayer. That's a prayer I encourage you to pray. But watch this. The biggest prayer is help me to deal with this in a Christian way, to honor you. Because I got no control of what they do. I can only control my response. How about this one? Over elements. God has control over the elements. God has control over human limitations. I don't know who the first preacher was, but he was a good one. That said, when you run out of your resources, just run into God's. You run out of your money, run into his. You run out of your patience, run into his. You run out of your confidence, run into his. I mean, fill in the blank. And, and the guy was right. You and I have limitations. God has none. Let's trust him and let's serve him with those unlimited Limitations, And then lastly, under this point of 
I will never leave you or forsake you. Continued peace. And this has, Brother Dale hit it on the nail head with the song. This is the sweetest area that I know of in Christianity. Peace. You remember COVID scared us all. And it's still with us to some level. But the hysteria is not there. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Watch this. One particular fellow that does not hold the view, the Christian worldview that we do, blamed us Christians for the spread of COVID because we didn't care. You guys are going to heaven, so you don't care. No, that's not really how it works. Because it's kind of like the old boy that uh, was sitting in the front pew, and the preacher said, how many want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except the little boy. Well, that bothered the preacher, so he said it again. How many want to go to heaven? And he's looking right at the boy, and the boy doesn't raise his hand. Says it for the third time, and everybody's got their hand up except the little boy. So after the sermon, preacher comes to the little boy and says, I don't understand. I'm worried about you, son. You never raised your hand when I said all those that wanted to go to heaven. He says, well, preacher, I figured you was getting the bus up right now. So there's none of us that would get on the bus today to go to heaven, but whenever God says it's time, we're ready. Amen, church? We're, we're ready. So watch this. We, we did what we had to do to protect ourselves, but we got peace. We got peace. Now, there's two types of peace. Peace with God, and that is when you do not have a personal love relationship with God. The Bible says you are enmity against God. You need to confess your sins. You need to say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve eternal punishment. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, so I ask you to forgive me my sins, to come into my heart and be my Savior. Church, we've tried to train ourselves through the years that any time I point to the cross, every saved individual in the church prays right then, right there, for anyone who does not know Christ sitting in the hearing of my voice that they would come to receive Christ. That's evangelism. We're trying to share the gospel right here, right now. That's peace with God. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you do not have peace with God. Once you settle the peace with God by receiving Christ, now you need to have the peace of God. Well, now this is a daily cleansing, a daily shower of, Lord, please forgive me for that sin. Lord, help me not to say that. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You take that daily bath, and now the peace of God. Now, I want you to try to blow your mind at some point today or this week and just try to sit there and think about the peace of God. What kind of peace does God have? He's never sinned. He's never failed. He's never been off target in something he wanted to do. God doesn't understand failure. God can't fail. He's right in everything he does. What kind of peace would that bring to you and I if we had that kind of power? Watch this. You do have that kind of power available to you through the indwelling of the Spirit of God, and we can get close 
to that peace of God. I know I'm doing the right thing. I know I'm in the right spot. I know I'm doing it the right way. Can we say that? I'm in the right spot. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing it the right way. The peace of God. Lastly, if I go, I will come again. Look at John 14, 1 through 7. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, Jesus says, he's walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, having this conversation with his disciples. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. So we have here continued confidence. Church, we, we need to wake up tomorrow with the confidence that we are in the right spot, we're doing the right thing, and we're doing it the right way. And that's because Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, and he will come back to receive us. I will come again. So we have continued confidence in the one who never leaves or forsakes his own. We have continued confidence in his promises, and we have continued confidence in the end results. There's coming a day, everybody that's sleeping out there, that when Jesus sounds that trumpet, they're going to rise. And every, the rest of us, if we're still here, if we're not already in our spot, we're going to rise after they rise. We have that promise. B, continued accountability. Church, we need to rattle each other's cage every once in a while. We need to pull each other's chain every once in a while. Sunday school, CR, Awana is probably the best place to do that or the preacher's uh, you know, study or whatever. But every once in a while, we need to ask each other, how are you doing? Are you winning your friends, neighbors, and relatives to Christ? Are you, so, are you uh, discipling anyone? Are you helping them get from 1 to 10 on what they know about Jesus Christ? Are you fulfilling the Great Commission? That map up there is not intended to be decor. That map is intended to be accountability. We have a responsibility, church, to Lonedale and St. Clair. And then we have a responsibility to Franklin County. And then we have a responsibility to the state of Missouri. And then we have a responsibility to the United States. And then we have a responsibility to the world. The BAMO assessment is coming up in October. It's been six months, if you can believe it, since we assessed. And remember, I took it kind of easy on you guys. I didn't make you turn your assessment in. I'm going to ask you to turn your assessment in. We scored 35 the very first time we did it out of 100, if my memory serves me, and it seldom does. We want to beat that. So if you don't know what the world I'm talking about, you come to me. I'll, ma I'll make sure you get an assessment. We need to assess better than we did the previous time. Why? Because all the assessment is doing is making sure we're doing what we said we would do when we came to Christ. Continued accountability. Church, he's coming back. He needs to find us working. 
He is working. We need to join him. Some of you, all of us, need to be looking to see where he's working in our sphere of influence and join him. Not this last week, but the week before this week, I had an appointment every day in my office, and it was people that God was working on. Hallelujah. There's a movement going on right now. People are seeing what it is God wants them to do, and they're doing it. I spoke with someone. They're going to be baptized October the 8th, and they see God moving in their life. Her fiancé has been coming. He attends and is a member of another church. That, that's where he believes he ought to go. But watch this. God is bringing him here and showing him there's some things that we can do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. We need to be looking where God is working and join him. And then lastly, continued longing. I, I joked at the first service, so I'll do the same with you. Poor Benjamin, 25 years old. When everything looked like it was coming together, they're going to get married. One of his prayers was, Jesus, please don't come back before September the 2nd. We laugh at that, but I can remember in college, single, and we look into the mirror and understand why I was single and pray, Lord, please don't come until I find somebody that will fall in love with this, you know, type thing, because I wanted to get married. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that to some level, but watch this. really is an area of just we really don't get it. Because watch this, that first step into heaven, it's going to be worth it. No matter if we ever got to achieve all the goals and targets that we wanted, we didn't make our first million and all that. The first, <laughs> the first step into heaven, all of that's going to dissipate. Heaven will be worth anything and everything that we missed on this side. Heaven will be worth it. Continued logging longing, desiring to know his presence, power, and peace firsthand. Desiring to know his presence, power, and peace firsthand. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Musicians, will you come? I've got one verse I want to read to you while the musicians are coming. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. I've shared with you in the past that Paul would, to some level, you might think, quite uh, uh, pridefully. You might think, well, this is a prideful statement. It truly wasn't. It was what all of us should tell those that are in our circle of influence. When we're right with God, we should be able to say this to our, the people, if you will, under our leadership the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Church, we should be living a life that inspires other people to live a life for God. That's what we should be doing. And if we live by these three promises, I believe it will help us. If you're here today and you've never, ever received Christ as Savior, this is an invitation if you'll come, we'll send you someone gender-appropriate, and they'll share the gospel with you. Let's sing.